Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Whenever Jesus was teaching or traveling, he always had a really large crowd following him and they were diverse. There was a group of people that were religious. They were the Pharisees and the priests. There were a group of people that were like semi-religious. They weren't as dedicated as the Pharisees or the, or the priests, but they were there because they wanted to hear from Jesus. Then there was a group of people that were just those that walked by, saw a crowd and wanted to see what the crowd was about. And then there was a group of people called the outsiders. They were on the outer circle. They were on the fringe. And these were the men and women who were ashamed of themselves, were embarrassed of their choices, and they didn't know if they could draw close to God, or they were told by religious people that they couldn't draw close to God. But the crowd was diverse, and all of those people were in the crowd as Jesus taught and as Jesus traveled. And here's what's really interesting about Jesus. He did something that you and I don't do when we're talking about life and God and faith and really important matters. See, when you and I talk about those things, we start with facts and we use truth to try to prove our point. But for Jesus, he didn't do that. Now, I wanna be very clear. He did talk about factual things and he did share the truth. He is the way and the truth and the life. But Jesus didn't start there. You know where he started? With emotion. Jesus started with how we're feeling. And he used our feelings to help us discover the truth of God's word and God's kingdom and what it means to follow Jesus. And it was remarkable because everybody was engaged, whether they were intrigued by Jesus or insulted by Jesus, trying to catch him and say something that maybe was inappropriate or that would make him not the son of God. They were trying to listen for those things. Everybody was leaning in and Jesus started with this emotion. He started with this feeling that we all are feeling because that unites us no matter where we come from, no matter our background, no matter what we look like, no matter what we've done. Our feelings, our emotions are the thing that draws us all together because we've all felt lost. We've all been through heartbreak. We've all experienced pain. And even some of those things are are good. Like we've all experienced joy and love and excitement and anticipation. And when Jesus spoke, he started with those emotions first because that would open us up to what he had to say. Ultimately, it would open us up to the truth that he was here to reveal. And we call that the genius of Jesus. And it's found in this message that he gives in Matthew's letter, in Matthew chapter five called the Sermon on the Mount. And at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and what it means to follow Jesus, he shares what are called the Beatitudes. These are the values in the kingdom of God. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about these values. We talked about how we need to be aware of our pride and surrender to God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked about how important it is that we grieve and that grieving is actually a part of our process of becoming more like Jesus, like grieving is actually godly and it's good. Blessed are those who mourn. And then last week we talked about how the greatest influencers on earth are those who are kind, those who are gentle, those who are 
meek. Jesus put it this way, blessed are the meek. And so today, I want to talk to you about the next thing that Jesus talks to us about. That's the genius of Jesus, the the beautiful words that Jesus shares with you and me that drew everybody in. And it has a lot to do with our emotions, and it has a lot to do with our feelings, it has a lot to do with our desires. And I believe it's something that will connect with you and help you to tell a better story. So if you have a Bible with you, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, would you turn to Matthew's letter in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 6. And here's what Matthew writes. Here's what Matthew hears Jesus share, and he writes it down in his letter. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus, when he's speaking here, he goes right after our strongest urges as humans, our strongest feelings and our strongest emotions, to be hungry and to be thirsty and wanting that to be satisfied, wanting that to be filled. When I read this and I hear this, it reminds me of my first years here at Active as the youth pastor. I worked with the students for my first 13 years at Active, and one of the events that we participated in was called 30-Hour Famine, and it was remarkable. We would have 100 or so students and 15 or so leaders come, and we would stay the night at the church, and then throughout the 30 hours, we would love and we would serve and we would give back to our community, and it was so much fun. But in that 30 hours, we would actually go without food. We would have beverages to drink, like Gatorade and water and orange juice, but we would actually go without food. And I remember those moments because it taught us some really powerful things about God and about us and about life and about the kingdom of God and what it means to follow Jesus. But I, I got to tell you, full disclosure, the thing that was always on my mind in those 30 hours, especially as the 30 hours were coming to an end, was this question. When do we eat? Because I was so hungry. And not that I was just so hungry. I was actually hangry. You ever been hangry? Like angry and hungry at the same time? And so can you imagine me along with about 100 students and about 15 leaders, and we're at hour like 29 and and maybe 55 minutes. We have five minutes left of the famine, and we're getting ready to eat. We were all hangry. We were all tired. And so when Jesus talks about like being hungry or thirsty and wanting to be filled, I I feel that. I've experienced that and maybe perhaps you have as well. These emotions that Jesus are addressing here are emotions that we've all experienced. No matter where we come from, we've all felt the need to fill our bellies because we're hungry. We've all wanted to have a drink because we're thirsty. And Jesus is being intense in his language on purpose because he's leading us to a really important life question, one that you should ask yourself and one that I should ask me, myself. And the question is this, what do you want? What do you want? And not just like, what do you want now? What do you want today? What do you want to eat? Because we can never figure that out, right? Like, where do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Like, we never figure that stuff out. But Jesus is actually digging a bit deeper. He's he's asking this question and wanting us to process this question in our soul. What do we want? What do we hope for? What do we long for? Are we just focused on the here and now, or do we have our hearts set on things above? 
Are we thinking about eternal things or are we just thinking about things that can satisfy us in that moment, in this moment right now? This is what Jesus is inviting us to consider. And it brings up all sorts of questions when we think about like what we want. Have you ever wanted something so bad that it was all that you could think about? Have you ever been so desperate for something that your whole focus was on that and on nothing else? When, when Jesus is talking here, he's talking about the stirring in your heart and in my heart, the, the, the feelings, the emotions, the desires that are in our souls for something more, something meaningful, something significant, something that matters. This isn't about us chasing something that isn't healthy or holy or godly. This is about us chasing something that tells a better story, that helps us to step into the story that God is writing for us. It's why Jesus says at the very end of this first statement, when you're hungry and when you're thirsty for righteousness, you will be filled. Ultimately, what he's saying here is that if you pursue the things that are good and godly and holy and powerful and about the kingdom of God, you are guaranteed to be satisfied. God is guaranteeing that he will meet those needs. He will give you everything that you need for life and for godliness. This word righteousness that Jesus uses, it can carry a lot of different definitions for us. Maybe some of those definitions are bad in your mind. Maybe some of those definitions are good in your mind. Maybe when you think of righteousness, you think of standards that are unreachable. That you can never live that way. You're just going to try to, but you know you're never going to achieve it or attain it. Or maybe when you think of righteousness, you think of people who are just, they're just irresistible to be around. Like there's something about them that makes you want to be around them, right? They're generous, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're wise, and they're for you. Or, or maybe you're like, you're like me. And when you hear the word righteousness, your mind immediately goes to the teenage mutant ninja turtles. And you hear them saying, cowabunga, righteous, bodacious, right? All of those classic ninja turtle phrases. Or maybe you're a little bit older um, and, and you don't know about that, but you had grandkids. Or maybe you had kids that you, you watched like Finding Nemo. So you thought of another turtle, like Crush the Turtle, when he's riding the current in the ocean and he's yelling out, righteous, that's my best crush interpretation for you. You're welcome. Maybe that's where your mind goes. Our minds can go to a lot of different places. So let's talk about what Jesus is talking about when he uses this word righteousness. It literally means this, being morally and justifiably right. Being morally and justifiably right. Let's, let's tease that out because that feels a bit ambiguous still, right? So let's tease that out. What Jesus is talking about is two things. There is a inward righteousness and there is a outward righteousness. There is something that happens in us and then there is something that happens outside of us. And the process is that it starts in us and then it overflows to the world around us, to the relationships around us. The inward righteousness of God that Jesus is talking about represents a holiness and rightness with God. That's the first thing that he wants us to understand. When we're pursuing righteousness, when we're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the first thing that we're pursuing is a holiness and a rightness with God. And here's what I want you to know about holiness and rightness with God. You cannot achieve this. 
This is not something that you can earn. It's not something you can work for. Here's what's so beautiful about the story of Jesus is that this is a gift from God because of the work of Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection. You cannot attain holiness on your own. You cannot be right with God without Jesus being Lord of your life. Like what he's saying here is this, that God did all of this through his work, through his grace, through his mercy. And because of that, there is a peace within you that's felt around you. You are at peace with your creator, the creator God. And that peace is felt in your life and how you live life. So when Jesus talks about righteousness, he's talking about that inward righteousness, that holiness that only God can breathe. And then the second thing he's talking about is outward righteousness. Like what happens within us, it overflows outside of us. The outward righteousness of God is choosing to be right for and right with the world. Now that might be foreign for some of you who are Christians or been Christians for a long time or been a part of the church for a while because we often set the world up as the enemy. Like it's us versus the world. We use phrases like we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And we use those phrases to describe how we shouldn't interact with anybody, associate with anybody. We're only focused on us, but that is not the way of Jesus. In fact, the way of Jesus is that the good work that's taking place in your heart that only he can accomplish, only he can bring that good work when it overflows outside of your life into your relationships, you know what it does? It actually makes you right for the world and right with the world. You are working on reconciling with the world so that they can be reconciled through the story of Jesus to God, our heavenly father. This is why we've said often at Active that the best people for America are the ones who prioritize the way of Jesus in their hearts. Not those that are nationalist, not those that vote a certain way. The best people for our country are those that found and follow Jesus, that have fallen in love with Jesus, and that have trusted that he's done a great work in them and it overflows to the world around us. We are right for and right with the world when we trust in Jesus, friends. This is what he's talking about. Followers of Jesus, they're committed to personal holiness and cultural wholeness. They're committed to personal holiness, the, the work of God that has been done in them, and then cultural wholeness. They are showing that, sharing that, speaking about that, living out the work of God in their relationships. They are for the kingdom and for the people of the kingdom that the king actually loves. Now, we, we struggle here. Full disclosure, I struggle here. Christian people struggle here because often what we do is we, we like to separate holiness and justice. And you know when we separate holiness and justice, you know what we're doing? We're saying this, that we want the king without the kingdom. Or we want the kingdom without the king. More specifically, we want Jesus, but without the work of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Or we want the kingdom of God, but we just don't want Jesus. Here's what Jesus is saying. You can't have one over the other. God's vision for righteousness is holiness personally for you and cultural wholeness for the world around you. Now that's a lot, right? And maybe you're like, okay, can we back that up and talk about that one more time? Absolutely. Let's 
Let's actually work that through. Let's start with this inward holiness that Jesus is talking about that comes when we pursue righteousness, when we're hungry and we're thirsty for that. And unfortunately, when we talk about holiness, maybe perhaps you start thinking of someone that has done something wrong. And typically when we talk about holiness, it's because somebody had a moral failure. Maybe it was a high-profile leader. Maybe it was a high-profile pastor. And when that happens, I got to be honest with you, this makes things really difficult. And I'm not complaining, by the way. It just makes things difficult because it causes a lot of skepticism and criticism and justifiably so. Because here is somebody who has been talking about the way of Jesus and then we find out that they have not actually been living out the way of Jesus. And that's frustrating for Christians, let alone people who are not Christians. And a lot of people who are not Christians go, see, that's why I'm not part of the church. See, that's why I'm not part of the kingdom of God. See, that's why I'm not following Jesus. And you have every right to be so frustrated because Jesus is frustrated. And he expresses that frustration when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It matters to Jesus that we choose to have a posture of personal holiness because you matter to Jesus and the people around you matter to Jesus. And when you trust in the work of Jesus and he is making you holy, setting you apart, then that's going to be felt in your relationships around you. And friends, we only understand the work of God when we first understand that he has to do this work in us first. This inward righteousness, this inward holiness It changes us. It changes how we see the people around us. There's a phrase that I really don't like, all right? So this is my confession time. The phrase is this, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove the doubters wrong. And we use that as motivation. And I, I get the idea behind it. These people said you couldn't do it. You are doing it. And so you're proving all the doubters and the haters wrong. We feel good about ourselves, right? But here's the problem. They should never be the motivation for why we're living the way that we're living. Like, what if we decided, because we've trusted in Jesus, not to prove the doubters or the haters wrong, what if we decided to live according to the way of Jesus so that we could prove God right? Because God did a good work in us and is doing a good work in us. I don't need motivation from people around me that say certain things about me that maybe aren't kind or nice. My motivation is Jesus. Because the people around me are not the standard. Jesus is the standard. My life and your life, our life, is not a race against each other. Our life is a gift from God for each other. Jesus came to model that, to teach that, to show us that, that his way, his truth, his life is the standard. Here's, Here's how John, who spent three years with Jesus, here's how John writes about this in his second letter in the scriptures. 1 John chapter 2 starting in verse three, he says this, we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, speaking of Jesus, and does not do what he commands is a liar. That's that's strong, but it's true. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys the word of Jesus, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know that we are in Jesus. We are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, 
the, the results of their life is what helps us to understand that they've given their life to God. Because it looks and feels like Jesus. It sounds like Jesus. It's a part of the kingdom of God. We understand what God is doing when we choose to obey God and you see righteousness and holiness and action. And I, I want to be extra clear here. The invitation is not, hey, I'm God and you have to obey me so I'll love you. The invitation that we read about through the words of John from Jesus, ultimately from your heavenly father and my heavenly father is this, obey me and life will go well for you. Not because he's threatening us, but because he has designed us to tell the story of the kingdom of God. Here's a better way to say it. Following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. So practically, here's what, here's what inward holiness, inward righteousness looks like every single day. It's first choosing to be consistent in your relationship with Jesus. This is why prayer is so powerful, friends. When was the last time that you talked to your heavenly father and you didn't talk to him like a slot machine or a vending machine, but you talked to him like a good dad because that's who he is. And you told him everything that was going on inside of you and everything that was going on around you and you surrendered yourself to his way and his will like Jesus did in the garden before he went to the cross, not my will, but yours. When was the last time you talked to God that way? And you might say, well, I've done that before. You need to do it again. This isn't a one and done. Jesus isn't an, an, an ex-boyfriend that you bring in and out of your life. Jesus isn't an, an ex-relationship that you go, okay, now we're friends and now we're not. No, Jesus, when you've committed your life to Jesus, it is for life and even life after this life. And so you can be frustrated with God, you can be upset with God, but you need to talk with God and posture your heart to the will of God and the way of God. When was the last time you read the scriptures? And I'm not just talking about on a Sunday. I think most of us just wait for a great communicator to share a bit of the word of God with us, and that's enough for us this week. Listen, I have 30 minutes with you. Sometimes I push it to 35. <laughs> I have 30 minutes with you. And that's not enough for your heart, man. You, you owe it to yourself to read the Bible for yourself. You should read the words of Jesus about you. Beautiful. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You should read the stories that Paul tells us about how to live this way. Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians. When was the last time you participated in church and didn't just show up, but actually you had an impact? I love looking around on a Sunday morning and seeing what the men and women, the activators of Active Church have created to create a space for all people. When was the last time you practiced generosity and you tithed? I'm proud of my kids. One's 18, one's 16, one's 13. The 18 and the 16-year-old, they have jobs and they tithe. And we didn't even ask them to. And friends, can I tell you, they tithe more than some adults do. And I'm so proud of them because they believe in the kingdom of God. They believe in the mission and vision of Active Church. When was the last time you did that? That's, that's what we do when we are, are practicing righteousness, when God is doing a good work in us. This is what inward holiness looks like. It's also us understanding that we don't have to know everything. That's not the goal of our life. The goal of our life is to live what we know. If you know one verse, and it's a verse about how you should ask the question, what does love require of me? You are living out your faith. The, the, there's not a prereq for you to get into heaven. You have to read the whole Bible cover to cover first. Knowing Jesus is how we find life and how we get eternal life. According to Jesus, he says those that live this way, they're pursuing 
inward holiness. They hunger and thirst for that. Blessed are those who want inward holiness. But he doesn't stop there. Let's, let's talk about the second part. Outward righteousness. Outward justice. Cultural wholeness. Because when God does a good work in me and in you, it's going to be felt in the world around us. This is why he says you can pray, God, would you bring heaven to earth? You know how God brings heaven to earth? Through you and through me. In the way that we treat each other, speak to one another, in the way that we live, in the way that we practice generosity. The religious people in the world of Jesus, they saw it different. Maybe that's why he shared these words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Because the religious people in the time of Jesus, they believed that you could love God and treat people terribly. One of those examples is actually found in the story that Matthew actually tells us in Matthew chapter 21. There's this process in the Jewish culture of receiving forgiveness. You had to bring the first fruits from your labor, from your hard work. It actually is the, the tithe. You would bring grain or you would bring an animal, you would bring fruit and you would hand it to the high priest. It would be the best of the best, the first 10%. You would bring that to the high priest. They would put it on an altar. They would light it on fire. And it was a visible image of God saying, your sins are forgiven. This fire was purifying. But there was this interesting dynamic that happened in the time of Jesus that the religious leaders were actually, they were actually charging people to buy temple sacrifices. You couldn't bring your own stuff. You had to pay to buy their stuff. And if you didn't have enough money, guess what? You couldn't seek God's forgiveness. And when Jesus sees this, he flips like literally flips. Matthew puts it this way in Matthew 21, verse 12. He says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he said this, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Get this, the, the, the men who were leading the people to God were actually keeping people from experiencing the forgiveness of God. This is why Jesus said over and over and over again, you are to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And one doesn't start without the other. You gotta love God, and the way that you love God is it's expressed in how you love people. And here's why this is so important, friends, especially when we talk about justice and cultural wholeness. We can often misalign this. We want justice, but we just don't want Jesus. And you can't have both. You have, to have, you have to have both to work together. You can't have one over the other. We misalign this often. It's why we get violent. It's why we riot. It's why we throw fits. It's why we cancel one another. It's why we disassociate and dismiss one another because this is what we do when we want justice, but we don't have a king in our hearts named Jesus who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. By the way, do you know why we know that something's wrong. Do you know why we know that justice needs to happen on earth? Because we follow Jesus. Without Jesus, we can do whatever we want. Without the standard of God, the commands of God, then of course we can treat each other however we want to treat each other. But the reason why we decide that this isn't right is because we know that God has placed something in us, that Jesus has spoken about this, that he lived this. Friends, in a real tangible way, the reason why we know that this war in Ukraine is wrong is because Jesus is Lord and he communicated and shared that and modeled that and gave us a better way. Again, John, here's, here's how he writes about it. John, 1 John 
chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Anyone who has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? You can't love God and ignore the people and the needs and the desires and the pain and the hurt and the injustices of those around us. Can't do it. Holiness and justice is God's vision for righteousness. You can't love the image of God and then treat each other terribly. It it doesn't work. That is what Jesus is saying when he says, blessed are those happy, fortunate, joyful are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And being filled means this, they will be satisfied. There will be something about their life that is so peaceful. Man, there's something about participating in the way of Jesus that is so settling to the heart and soul. That's why we celebrate when people get baptized at Active. That's why we celebrate when somebody invites somebody to come sit with them. That's why we celebrate it at First Step, having over 60 friends come and take their first steps. That's why we celebrate reconciliation, forgiveness. That's why we celebrate prayer. And there's something about participating in the work of Jesus that is so settling to our souls, to our hearts. So back to the beginning and the emotions that unite us all, the feelings that Jesus speaks to. Can I ask you the question that he is asking us? What do you want? What do you want for your life? What do you want for the lives of those around you? What are you, what are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? And hear me, I'm not talking about those simple momentary right now things. I'm talking about those things that last. I'm talking about those eternal things that go beyond you. What do you want? You know the answer is not found in what you say. The answer is found in what you do. The answer is found in your checkbook. The answer is found in your relationships. The answer is found in what your kids say about you, what your spouse might say about you, what your employees might say about you. Like you, you might want righteousness, but if you're living that, the people around you will be able to give us that answer. According to Jesus, the greatest pursuit of your life is the pursuit of holiness and righteousness. This, my friends, is good news. That God will work this in you and work this out of you. Jesus wants you to know that life without God, it'll hurt you. It'll hurt those around you. But that life with God, that'll give you life. So could I just give you three easy steps to take? You can take one of three. You could take two or three, all three. You could consider these. If you... If you're somebody that would say, man, what I want is the kingdom of God. What I want is righteousness. What I want is Jesus. I want want personal holiness and I want cultural wholeness. Here's here's a great first step for you. On March 20th at our Active Church Ukaipa location, in between our services, we are are participating in an event called the Rooted Informational Meeting. Now, Rooted is something that we've done here at Active for the last two or three years. And it's an incredible experience that helps you to discover the story of God and the purpose that God has placed in you, and it helps you to grow in relationship with each other. There are some foundational truths in Rooted that you and I need 
to hold on to. It'll teach you how to pray, not slot machine prayers, but it'll help you to really engage with your Heavenly Father. It'll help you to serve. Often we want to serve, we just don't know where to start. Rooted will help you do that. There's an experience. And on Sunday, March 20th, in between our services, in our events room on campus, is a Rooted informational meeting where they're going to share about this experience. And I want to invite you to be there because I think your next step might be Rooted to grow in your faith, deepen your relationship with God. The second thing I want to invite you to consider is to be here on Easter Sunday, April 17th. We have three services, 8, 9.30, and 11. Friends, Easter at Active is remarkable. It's my favorite Sunday. And you will be blown away at what God does on those days and who God brings into this building and watches online or listens to the podcast. Easter at Active is going to focus on these three words. Anything is possible. And it's more than just a caption on a social media post. We believe anything is possible because Jesus resurrected from the grave. So here's what I invite you to do. Don't just come to Easter, but invite someone to come and sit with you. The one that you've longed for, that you hoped for, the one you've been praying for, invite them. And we will do the best job we can to clearly tell the story of Jesus, tell the story of hope, tell the story of love, to speak about the freedom and forgiveness that Jesus brings through the cross and the resurrection. So come and sit with us and invite someone to do that. And then the last thing, that day, is Baptism Sunday. And it's time for you to choose to get baptized. It's time for you to express what God has done in you publicly. Not an announcement of perfection. Not an announcement that I'm better. An announcement that God is good and that he's done a good work in you. And so I want to invite you to choose to get baptized on Easter Sunday. You can sign up on, online. Uh, you can go to our comment section. You can send us a direct message. Or when you show up to our Yukaipa location, you can stop by Guest Central and they would love to sign you up and give you details. So be a part of Rooted. Invite someone to come sit with you at Easter. Friends, choose to get baptized. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. They long for personal holiness and cultural wholeness. They long for the work of God in them and around them. Blessed are those who decide that Jesus is the best way to live. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, it is because of Jesus we're here. It is because of Jesus that we are rescued and saved. It is because of Jesus that we have grace and mercy peace. It is because of Jesus that we are forgiven. It is because of Jesus that we can live the lives that we're living today. It is because of Jesus we can tell a better story. And so may that story not stay in us, but may we be hungry and thirsty for others to know what we know, to know the God who knows us. Thank you for sending your son. And we trust in him and we believe in him and it's in his name that we pray. Together we say amen. And amen, and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.